Find your seat. We got to get started. Find your seats. We're getting started. And I hear myself. All right, good. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord, because there's good things that happen there, good fellowship. I know how necessary it is just to get around other Christians because all week long we're dying, <clears throat> needing fellowship. It's time for preaching. Let's open our Bibles. I want you to go to two places in your Bible. First one is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll have you stay stink seated just because we got two just brief verses. Shh. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11 and then we'll go to Philippians 3. First Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says something really unique. First Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I speak as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, by way of background, I'm going to talk to you about forgetting some things. This is part two. I started last week. We're focusing on Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And it says a word in there. It says, forgetting the things which are behind. And so we're talking about forgetting. And the first thing I want to say is that childish things of our past, childish, the things that are, that are keeping us from growing up need to be forgotten and moved on. When I was Oh, I was probably six years old. I collected everything that, that just seemed pretty or seemed valuable or seemed unique. So I would come home and it was my life. I don't know, maybe other kids never had this, but I kept worms in my pockets. I had stones that I thought were treasures. I, if I found a piece of tin foil, I would make it into a ball, I'd put it in my pocket. I kept all kinds of crazy things in my pockets. My mom would always ask me, empty out your pockets, and then she'd get all upset because I was, it was destroying the inside pocket. But um, to me, they were priceless treasures. Well, there was one time my grandfather said, I've got something for you, and, uh, but until you get rid of all those other treasures, I can't give you something really valuable. And he gave me a set of mint coins that were from my birth year. I was born in 1963. So he gave me some coins that were all mint made and put into a little thing. And he says, now this one day will be worth a lot of money. But you got to get rid of all that other stuff in your pocket so you can put this in there. And it took me only half a heartbeat for me to empty out everything and take that. Because my granddad, I, I looked up to him immensely. When he said something was a treasure, I believed him. And the, the point is this, there are things that we hold on to and we think are important to hold on to that God says, I need you to let go of so I can give you something better. So there are some things we need to put away because there are prizes, there are rewards for a life that is lived in the will of God. Philippians now, keep going to the right, find Philippians chapter 3. 
There are rewards for a life lived in the will of God. Most of you do not know that. Many of you have never thought that there may be something better than your current day-to-day struggle with just life. Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14 is our memory verses for this month, but it is for the whole year. We're learning to press on by forgetting some things here at the beginning. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. What does that mean? He says, I have not attained to the perfect will of God yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't, I haven't attained there yet. But he keeps going on. He says, but this one thing I do, and it's a continual thing. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But forgetting those things which are behind, ignore, ignore the guy behind the curtain. Okay. For this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14, this is what he does. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So this is what Paul did. He says, I forget the things behind me. And that may be the hardest thing you do right now in your Christian life. But it is the most important thing if you're going to get to where you can reach ahead because For the Christian, there is nothing in your past that God is interested in. There is nothing in your past that God is trying to get your attention to. It is all ahead for the Christian, amen? And even if you're unsaved this morning, let me tell you, I don't care how good your life has been. I don't care how bad your life has been. Your future you need to worry about. Reach ahead toward those things which are ahead of me, he says. And then he says, all the while I am pressing I am pushing myself forwards towards the will of God. Greatest thing you can ever do is find what God wants you to be and to do and then do it with all your heart. Because there, when you do the will of God, there is a great prize. There is a great reward for Christians who want it. Now it starts with being a good forgetter. When he starts off here, he says, I do this, I forget the things that are behind me. So by way of review, last week we learned that there were seven things that, that a person can forget. And you say, I can't forget. I can't forget what somebody did to me. I can't forget what my parents said to me all the time. And I was about 14 years old. We lived next door to a family that had one child, one boy. And that boy was about three or four years younger than me. And we could hear through the windows, because we lived in Texas, so you had your windows open. We could hear the dad saying such vile and awful names toward his son. You're a little blank. I can't believe we had you. You'll never amount to anything. He was saying this to a nine or 10 year old boy. Can you imagine being that boy growing up and that stuff going on inside your head for the rest of your life? There are things that a person can forget on purpose. All the things And Paul teaches us that we can lose all the things that we've lost. We can forget about the things that we've lost. If you ever decide to do the will of God, you may lose your job. You'll have to just forget about it. Just who cares? You may lose family. People just walk away from you. Friends, you may lose your health doing the will of God. If God ever put his finger on you and said, I want you to be a missionary and go to Saudi Arabia and give your life, you may lose your life. But you know what a Christian does? A Christian says, forget about it. I don't care. I will go and do the will of God. You can can forget the things that you've lost. 
You can forget about all the lumps that you've endured. Think about what people have put you through just simply because you, I remember again, when I first got saved, I thought everybody wanted to get saved. So all of a sudden, I found out there were these things called gospel tracts. I had been given one, but I didn't understand it. Now I wanted everybody to have it. And the, the more I handed them out, the fewer friends I had. And the more people talked about me. And the more people called me the preacher. I didn't think that that was a great honor. I thought that was a really demeaning thing. But all the lumps, Jesus said, you'll lose a lot of things for the gospel's sake. And people will persecute you. All they that live godly, might suffer persecution, or what does the Bible say? Shall suffer. And you know what? Whatever you go through trying to do the will of God, and it hurts, you can forget about it. What about all the loneliness? You know, Paul struggled with loneliness. There were times when there were people around him. There were times when people abandoned him. And he was able to forget about it. He didn't constantly say, who lonely me? Weston's wife is leaving in a week, and you know what? He was getting ready to sing this morning, all by myself. <laughs> And my Chinese food. <laughs> but listen, there are times when you will feel absolutely alone trying to do the will of God. And Paul forgot about it. Just He didn't let it haunt him. The fact that sometimes he just had to just press on even though nobody walked with him. His limitations. You say, Paul, the great apostle Paul, what limitations did he have? He had a lot of limitations. He had health limitations. There were times the Bible says that he couldn't see he had eyesight problems. He had limitations. I wonder, what is more important, your hearing or your eyesight or your mobility? Any one of the things that we take for granted, if you couldn't see, would you still serve God? If you couldn't walk, would you still get to church? Would you still live for God? We talked about all these things, the limitations that Paul struggled with, the failures that Paul struggled with. And Paul had his list of failures. But you know what? When the devil would come along and try to remind him of those failures, Paul would say, I forgot about all, I forgot all about that. His doubts, second guessing, Paul said, I've been perplexed where I had no idea what I was going to do, and I was wondering if I was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I have no And when you have those times, it is possible to actually go, but I forget about it. I'm just going to keep pressing on. There is something that has to drive us out and away from our past toward the future, and that's what I'm trying to get you to get to. Because ultimately, he forgot about himself. <clears throat> he just looked to the Lord Jesus. His, his whole life, he says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He didn't think of himself. He forgot about himself. Real humility is not thinking low of yourself. What is real humility? It's not thinking of yourself at all. So well, none of that is possible unless you are a Bible-leaving Christian. None of it is possible because otherwise it is impossible to forget any of that. It will, it will torment you trying to forget all of your past because the past is what made you. And as a, if you're not saved, there is no way to escape that. You need somebody named Jesus Christ to remake you. He says, can I not do with you like I do with, with clay? Can I start not start over with you? That's why you need to get born again, because he'll start over with you, and he'll make you brand new. He won't make you so you don't have problems, but he'll make you so that you have purpose, and you can go forward, and you can forget about those things. See, unfortunately, the majority of Christians don't care to forget. They're worse than lawyers. They can criticize each other. They can tear down each other. They can remind people of all their past hurts. They can keep memories fresh. That's what a lawyer does. A lawyer gets up in front of court and brings up everything possible to destroy the other person. 
Don't you ever call yourself a Christian and constantly be in remembrance of all the things that somebody's done to you. You have to forget them. Amen. Don't you be a barrister or a lawyer in this world. I taught you that um, most Christians ultimately never become more like Christ. They're trapped in the past. This morning, I want to give you some tools from the Bible that will help you forget everything that has you in bondage to the past, like the cruel words and constant criticisms that roll around inside of some of your heads, like all the past failures and sins that Satan constantly tries to remind you of. You're going to have to say, I forgot about it. Because they don't define you, Christ does. That book is a book of promises. Yes, it convicts us of sin, and it brings us to a humility where we're broken and we're empty, but Christ does not leave us there. He says, now follow me. Isn't that wonderful? He just says, follow me. When Peter denied Jesus Christ three times, cursed his name, when Jesus rose from the dead and Peter holding back from going to meet Jesus, Jesus says, Tell my disciples to meet me up in the galley and tell Peter. He puts his, make sure Peter's there. And when they got together, Jesus never brought up what Peter said and what Peter did. You see, if Jesus is able to forget something, you ought to be able to as well. So let's start on here on, on, on how we're going to learn to forget some things. Part two, all right? First thing, I need you to take the commandment of God to forget seriously. It's not something just for a few believers to do. Well, pastor, you have to get this thing under control. Yes, so do you. It is for absolutely every believer who wants to be able to press toward the will of God for their lives and to obtain a prize that's waiting for you when you do God's will. I'm going to say this. There is nothing greater than accomplishing God's will. There is nothing greater than just doing God's will. You say, what is God's will? Simple. Whatever he says, do. Every time you read your Bible, it will tell you what you ought to do, and you're to do it. Say, well, does God want me to be a pastor? I have no idea. And that's not nearly as important as, are you supposed to be loving the brethren? Are you supposed to be humbling yourself in prayer every day, saying, God, I need you. Don't ever let me go a day without crying out to you. Are you doing the simple things that you know the Bible says to do? It will be the hardest thing you ever attempt if you, want, if you are going to try to do the will of God. But it begins with forgetting some things. You see, forgetting is no easy thing to do. The stuff we're supposed to forget, it is easy to forget the things that we normally forget, okay? We forget where we're supposed to be. Uh, we're, you, know, you, go, you go downstairs and uh, uh, you go, what did I come downstairs for? You know, you don't even remember. We all go through those moments of just forgetting. But the things that we should forget very hard to forget. You know, God, I'll give you an example. God told all Israel to forget Egypt and leave it behind them. Go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Christopher, I don't mean to embarrass you, but your, your wife told us about your mom, and we agreed with you. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. I want you to notice here, Israel's complaining, and guess what they're thinking about when they are in the, the wilderness, in the desert there? Guess what they're thinking about? Look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them 
fell a lusting. That word lusting is intensely desiring. What were they wanting? The children of Israel also wept again. Oh, they're like little snowflakes. And they said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We're starving. We remember the, notice the word, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Oh, we remember the, what's the next one? When was the last time you sat there and you just, you just salivated for a bunch of cucumbers? <laughs> and yet they were remembering cucumbers and the melons and God forsake the leeks. I mean, oh, I just love chewing on a leek. And the onions and the garlic. He goes on in verse 6, he says, they said, and now our soul is dried away. Oh, we're dying. There is nothing at all besides this manna. God had been given a manna every morning, day after day after day. And it says, all we've got is this manna before our eyes. Go to chapter 14 now, still in Numbers chapter 14 in verse 1. <clears throat> Numbers 14, verse 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Watch your attitude, because it reveals your heart. They murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, said to Moses and Aaron, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. What a way to talk. Oh, if you'd only just left us in Egypt so we could die there. Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return where? Back into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Now the truth is this, the Jews found it hard to forget Egypt. They were in a new realm. They had, they had walked away, they had marched away from their captivity. All they had ever known for 400 years was oppression and was poverty, slavery, but it was a life. And now as they go off into the wilderness and it's all the unknown, they had never been outside of Egypt. They were walking around in a desert. They didn't have water. They didn't have food except every morning there was this bit of light fluff on the, uh, on the grass, and they would go and collect it, and they would bake it. It was their bread, and they saw God provide them. But to them, they missed their old life. Let me tell you, do you know what that did to them? It kept them from ever getting into the promised land. Wake up, Christian, because if you keep missing the old life and the old buddies and the drinking times and the clubbing and all of the stuff you used to do before you got saved, if you keep missing that, you will never get to the will of God and to the place that God has for you as a Christian. He doesn't want you to live in there. He wants you living in the will of God. And there is such a prize there. You can't, you can't imagine how good the blessings of God are in the will of God. Yeah, you may be alone for a while. You may have to suffer for, for doing the gospel's sake. But the eternal rewards, the eternal benefits are infinite. And if you can't forget the old life, and if you can't forget what people did to you and how people didn't do things that you needed them to do, or if you can't forget what you've been through, you're stuck. And you'll never go forward. And God said to these very same people, you're not going into the promised land. You're going to just wander around for the next 30 
eight years, wasted life, until they all died. Wouldn't that be a shame to have a church full of people who are stuck, and they never go forward, and they just day after day do the same old things, and there's no joy, and there's no thrill, there's no gospel life, there's no will of God. It's just, oh, now that I'm saved, I don't have any fun. We better learn how to do it, folks. Now, not everything has to be forgotten, but everything that is holding you back from doing the will of God has to be forgotten. So, how, what does it take for a Christian to forget things that are behind us? And any one of these things will help you, but try to think of them. And I need you to know your uh, numbers. Go to Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24. And the first thing I want to say that will help you forget the things that are behind you is, number one, relax. <clears throat> numbers chapter 24. Don't worry about all the details of your life and of your past. You're not a solicitor. Nod your head. You're not a private investigator. You're not God. You do not need all the details to be kept around inside of the courtroom of your head. Real humility will allow some things to be forgotten even if it costs you being right. Here's an example. God gave some instructions on farming, and it's really breathtaking. Deuteronomy 24, look at verse 19. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in the field, and hast, what's the next word? Come on, say it with me. Forgot, and hast forgot a sheaf. Now, what's a sheaf? A sheaf was a bundle of, say if you were uh, uh, cutting down these tall stalks of wheat. What, you, what they did was they would cut down a huge uh, swath of it, and then they would bind it into a, like we call it a roll, and that sheaf, and they would set it aside, and then they'd go cut some more, they'd bind it, set it aside. And as they went back and they, and, they, and they collected all those, if you forgot one, look what it says. Thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger. It'll be for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hands. Don't be so efficient that everything you do is all detailed and all this, there's nothing left on the, on the ground and nothing left for anybody else. If you don't get this, you're going you're gonna to go through the next few years wasting your life. You need to relax about all the details of how people hurt you and how they failed you and how you've been abused, whatever. You need to relax and not remember all the details. If you've forgotten some detail about an argument or about the past, then good. Ignore it. Leave it. Don't be so precise and be so right. Be humble. You know what the Bible promises? God will bless your forgetfulness. If you just leave some stuff behind, God will bless you if you relax about all the details. Secondly, forgive anything that comes up in your memory of some hurt or some sorrow caused from someone else. It's a commandment to forget. Too many people are way too proud of not wanting to forgive and forget. I'll say this, bitter revenge is never satisfied. 
Unforgiveness is you trying to hold the person who hurt you in bondage, and yet it is you, according to God, that is in the bondage and can never go forward until you forgive all the past. Forgiveness is an act of freedom from the past hurt. What are you doing? You're leaving the outcome to God. And that's what trust is. The Bible says trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All right, your heart is hurting. Your heart is upset. Your heart is remembering. Your heart is bringing up all that stuff. And your mind says, shut up. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to forget that. The heart says, but I'm hurting. And the mind says, I know. And I can't change the hurt. But we can decide what we're going to think about. And we're not going to think about that. We're just going to let it go and leave it to God. And God will get them. God will deal with that person who hurt us. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on pressing ahead. People who don't have the ability to forgive and forget, divorce. There was a study of 50 married couples with one of them having actual photographic memories. You ever hear of a photographic memory? Photographic memory, they can read a book and they can almost remember pages. They can remember um, uh, diagrams and information. They have a photographic memory. Well, these were 50 married people with one of them having a photographic memory, the ability to remember a zillion details about the past and about fights, and about arguments. And out of those 50 couples, only two of those couples actually stayed married more than 10 years. You know why? Because there's no way to live with someone who sees everything you have ever done and failed at and all the hurts. There's no way to live with somebody like that. Amen. And the only thing that a person who has that photographic memory has to do, they have to forgive. Your memory could be your biggest curse to your marriage and maybe even to every relationship you're in. So you got to learn to forgive and then to forget. Go to Hebrews 10. Leave Deuteronomy Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. While you're turning there, I'll quote Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is my most favorite psalm. And you ought to memorize the entire psalm, but Psalm 103, verse 12 says, as far as the east is, I don't know if that's the east, but I'm pointing it way, it doesn't matter. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our iniquities, our transgressions from us. And if you went east and kept going east and kept going east, you would never hit the west. You know that. And if you went west and just kept going west, 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 you'd never arrive at the east. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 10, 17, look what it says. It says, and their sins, why don't you put our sins, my sins in there. And their sins and iniquities, God says, will I remember no more. You know why God still loves you? Because he forgives, he forgives some things so that he can forget some things. Amen. Lamentations 3 says this, it is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. How many are glad you're alive today? I mean, it's only God's mercy that we're not dead. It is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every other month, right? They're new every morning. Why? Because great is thy faithfulness. Third thing, what does it take for us to forget some things? Number three, Rightly divide your past. 
Just as, listen, the Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are some things I'll teach you tonight, and I need you to come tonight. I don't care whether you're a member or not. I need you to know there is a heresy that is being promoted. It's called making baptism part of your salvation, and it's of the devil. It is a heresy, and it's come and it's inflicted some people in our church, and i got to talk about it tonight. So you better be here. But let me tell you this. As important it is, is to rightly divide and rightly know what is, what is doctrine and, and what is not and what is right and what is wrong, it is very, it is priority to rightly divide my memories. Rightly dividing your past is just as important as soul winning, as Bible reading, and as loving the brethren. You need to divide everything going on inside your head into two buckets, all right? Let's imagine two buckets here, okay? You need to put in one bucket stuff you need to remember and hold on to, like good memories, healthy memories, things that are just good to remember, things that encourage you, things where God showed up, things where God got you out of trouble, things where people were a blessing to you. You put those memories in that bucket, and then in the other bucket, you need to put the stuff you need to let go of. And then you need to empty that bucket, amen, regularly. Just like you clear your rubbish bin, you need to clear out that second bucket. There are some memories that are important to hold on to, but every memory is not important to hold on to. The mature Christian learns how to choose which to remember and which to forget. What would you do with the memory of some awful and stupid sin that you could have already confessed, and you've confessed again, and you've confessed for years now? What do you do with that memory? If you're saved, if you have confessed it and say, Lord, that was wrong, that was wicked, I'm so sorry, I'm grieved. Every time I think about it, I just confess all over, I'm broken. What do you do with that memory? You put it in that bucket and you dump it. Because that's the devil reminding you of you, your past. It's already under the blood, folks. The devil loves to remind you of your failure and of your sinful. God forgot about it, you can too. What should you do with the memory of your wedding day? Of your child's, of your first child's birth? What should you do with the memory of that first soul you led to Christ? Put it in the remember bin. Never forget it. Talking to Eric this morning, and last week he saved how many years? Oh, 30 years. 38 years this past what? What was the day? The 6th of January. And you know, he remembers the day he got saved. 11 o'clock. Mine was 9.45. Now, not everybody got saved. You know, I remember the day, the hour. I don't do, do you understand, however, if you have that memory, if there was a time where you once was lost and you were found and where Christ brought you to your knees and you realized you were, you were on your way to hell and then you cried out, you said, God, be merciful, me a sinner and save me. And you knew he did. How could you forget that? How could you forget that? What about a memory? Someone abandoning you. Someone constantly blaming you. Somebody rejecting you. What do you do with that memory? Put it in the other bucket and then flush it down the toilet. Do not remember that. That is not of God. There's nothing spiritual about being reminded about how stupid and how much of a failure you are. God doesn't remember. Fourth. You need now to repent of holding on to memories that have held you back from being more like Christ. See, is it a sin for me to remember all those things? Yes, it is. Because sin in your heart will stop you from being able to forget sins done against you. It's a strange spiritual law. Go to Job chapter 11. 
Job, middle of your Bible is Psalms, and go to the left from there, Job. Job chapter 11. It's a strange spiritual law because a stubborn, sinful heart and mind will be tormented with the memories that just need to be confessed and repented of. The memories need to be confessed and repented of, or else you will, you know what you'll do? The more those hurts keep being brought up, listen to me, the more you will harden your heart just to handle them. And the harder you get, the more stuck you become. And you'll never do the will of God. Look at Job. Now, this is Job's friend Zophar, and he gives some good advice about owning up to sin. Now, Job was not needing this scripture, but we need it. Job was not struggling with sin in his life, but we do. And listen to Zophar's good advice about owning up to sin so that you can forget things. Job chapter 11, verse 14. If iniquity be in thine hand, think about it. If you've sinned in your life, is what he's saying, maybe with your eyes or with your mouth, what does he say we should do? Put it far away. And let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. Don't let it live in your home. For then, after you have, after you have repented of your own iniquity, no matter what somebody else has done to you, deal with yourself, then thou shalt lift up thy face without spot. You'll be able to shine. You'll be joyful. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shalt not fear because thou shalt what? Forget thy misery then. And remember it as waters that pass away. So you ever go to a river there and you see, you see this water rushing down the river. Do you even remember that that clump of H2O? Do you ever remember that? No. As you watch that river, you're watching whatever else is... It's whatever water passed is now in the past. You don't even remember it. And if you can first deal with your own sin, and if you can confess it and repent of it, let me tell you this, you can then forget what other people have done. If you can realize how God has forgiven you, you'll be able to turn around and forgive others. Next thing. Didn't I do that? There we go. Discover. To explore and discover the good things that God has placed in your life. When you can't just stop thinking about something that you've rehearsed over and over and over and over for years in your head, you're going to have to replace that memory with a better memory. And the truth is, if anybody in this room is born again, if you're saved, God has probably given you things that were intended to help you forget the hard times. God gave you your family. Go to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, Joseph had so much that he could complain about. What happened to Joseph in Genesis should have crippled him, should have made it so that he was stuck, so that he was defeated, so that his life was ruined. But God gave him some things that helped him to forget all the hurts and all the losses. Genesis 41 in verse 51, God gave Joseph a wife and he gave him two children. He named one of them Manasseh. And I want you to see why and what this name means. Genesis 41, 51, it says this. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, which means forgetting. Why would you name your son forgetting? Watch it. For God, said he, 
hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. He knew he'd never see his family again. In his mind, he's just, he's got to move on. And when God gave him a little baby, he says, God has helped me to forget. Isn't that precious? God will give you your family, and he gave you something. He didn't stop you from having the heartache. He didn't stop you from being hurt. He gave you something that made up for it. Maybe God will give you an answer to prayer. Maybe God gives you a good friend who just calls on you and just listens when you talk. That's a good friend. God will give you things to help you replace the heartaches and the sorrows and the hurts and all the bad memories that cripple you. So you need to look around and take inventory and start to discover the goodness of God. Go to Philippians chapter 4 now. Philippians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. <clears throat> take inventory. I bet you there's some better truths that you can believe than the fact you're a failure. I would imagine there are some better things that you can believe that are better than what you've experienced in your past. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, not bad report. What's a bad report? That's talking bad about somebody. That's hearing nothing but evil reports. Listen, the news will ruin anybody. The, uh, uh, I was talking to, uh, Weston was talking about he was glad he grew up in the 80s. Well, it's true. I mean, when I grew up in the 70s, every movie was dark. The world was ending, China syndrome, towers were burning. Every mo movie was dark. All of the rock music was dark. It still is, by the way. And it was just dark and it was, <coughs> It was just bad. It was just, we're all dying. We're all, um, uh, the world is, is going to fall apart. Asteroids on their way. Everything was wrong. It's all bad reports. Well, look at what the Bible says. If something's of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any, when was the last time you just sat and listened to praise? When was the last time you just spoke praise? Yeah. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. You'll never be able to forget something unless you have something else in view. It's like battling against sin. What does the Bible say? If you're, if you're struggling with sin, the Bible doesn't say, wrestle with sin. You know what the Bible says? Walk in the Spirit. Isn't that funny? It's a strange spiritual law. If I want to diminish sin's influence on my life and sin's power on my life, I increase the Spirit's influence on my life. I walk in the Spirit, and sin seems to diminish. Do you know, a mother will smile just after childbirth. That, that blows my mind, man. All the screaming, all the yelling. My wife and I uh, went to go. Uh, uh, we had a friend um, named Michelle. Uh, her husband was a, a, a policeman. And anyway, she was having baby. And... Uh, but the woman next to her was having a cow. <laughs> the woman in the other room was screaming, shoot me, talking about the, uh, the, the, whatever that thing is they put in the back. But she kept saying, shoot me, shoot me. And anyway, she was screaming so loud, Michelle grabbed her husband, who 
was an armed police officer, all right? She said, go shoot her! <laughs> She's putting me in distress, all right? But you think about all of that pain and all of the agony and all of those hours sometimes that, that, to bring that life into the world. And yet as soon as that, bar, that baby is born, what's mama doing? It is mind-boggling. Look at John 16. Gospel of John, chapter 16. John 16, 21. <clears throat> A woman... When she is in travail, talking about childbirth, hath sorrow. Of course she does, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, look what the word says. She remembereth no more the anguish. Why? Because she's got something better for the joy that a man is born into the world. What has God given you? What has God given you that you've ignored and you just reject, you don't even realize that was God's gift to take your mind off all of that hurt and all that sorrow. Number six, request God's help. You know, forgetting as a Christian is a spiritual work. Don't forget to pray and ask God to help you forget the things that are hard to forget. Go to Hebrews 9. Hebrews chapter 9. You know what God can do? He can fix all the messed up things in our life. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 13. I love this scripture because I've had to claim it hundreds of times. Hebrews 9 verse 13 says this, For the blood of bulls and of goats, talking about under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, they would sacrifice bulls and goats and lambs and turtle doves, and even the ashes of a heifer, which was a very, very um, a powerful cleansing agent against sin, and they used it only once a year, and it was, it was a, a very important sacrifice. But even that, he goes on. The ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, if the blood of bulls and goats sanctifieth to the purifying of my flesh, of my outer flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall it purge your conscience? That's your memories. That's the things going on inside your head. can purge your conscience from all the dead works so you can serve the living God. Go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 61. This is a good chapter to, uh, especially these verses to claim. Isaiah 61, just verse 1 and 3. Look at your Bible. Look at what he says. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord. This is what Jesus quotes in the synagogue up in Capernaum. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the... Anybody can relate to that. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. Go down to verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. What are you going to appoint? To give unto them beauty for all their ashes. Give them the oil of joy 
in place of mourning. Dress you with the garment of praise in place of the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord, that He, God, might be glorified. Let me tell you, that's a verse to claim and say, Lord, if you can do that, I need you to do it to me. Because right now I can't seem to forget some things. There's some things that are just broken. There's some things that, look, if I'm driving, if I'm driving a car and my tire goes out, I can't keep driving. The tire is out. I gotta stop. I gotta change the tire. But let me tell you, when you just keep going through life and the past has not been healed, and when the, the uh, God has not intervened and redirected you and worked a miracle in washing all that under the blood, you will try and try and try and never get anywhere until you have asked for help and say, Lord, I need you to heal me. Lastly, you're going to have to make it a constant effort. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not attained, I've not reached that perfect will of God, and my life is not there yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. That's a present tense. That's, a, that's an activity I have to do every day, sometimes several times during the day. It is a constant effort. Don't wait until you have Alzheimer's. <laughs> You're going to have to work hard at forgetting some things, especially if you have the habit of keeping memories that are wrong to hold. Our old nature has the habit of living in the past when our old nature should be dead. Amen? So what do we do as Christians? We constantly mortify our hard memories. We crucify them. We starve them from attention. We ignore the cries of our memories for attention. When we have to do that regularly. And that's when you and I, that's when you and I will be better able to do the main thing that keeps us faithful to live in the Christian life and faithful to the ministry, and that's pressing on. In, in, um, in a race, and people who, who run long distances, they know about something called the second wind. All right? I've only experienced it once. I ran a marathon. Actually, I walked it fast. <clears throat> and it took me like eight hours to do 26 miles. But the point is this. There really is a time where you hit the wall and you feel like you're going to die and you can't go another step. And anybody who's ever trained for a long-distance run has heard by mentors, you keep going. And that second wind comes. And Christians, let me tell you, most of us give out when the Lord says, just keep going. If you can start to forget, you'll be able to start going forward. And it will not be easy. Nobody's saying it's going to be easy. But you will be able to reach toward a prize. And we'll read that verse in just a moment. <clears throat> what does it take for a Christian to forget? You're going to have to take the command to forget seriously. And then relax. Don't worry about all the details of all the pain and all the hurts of other people. Forgive anything that comes up in your memory of some hurt or some sorrow caused by someone else. You're going to have to get in the habit of, this is my job. My job right now is to not have all the details right. And secondly, to forgive every time a thought comes, a memory comes about what somebody else has done. I must forgive. Thirdly, 
I then need to make sure I keep good memories in one bucket and I keep dumping the old memories out of the other bucket and not hold on to them. They're not worth holding on to. Whatever memories you have been holding on to that have held you back from being more like Christ, you need to repent of them. The memories you can't change. What happened to you, you can't go back and fix. But holding on to the memory is sin. It is. Because that memory is holding you there instead of where Christ wants you. Then explore all the good things that God has given you. My goodness. When was the last time you just wrote a list of all the good things God has done for you? When was the last time you made a praise list and you just said, Lord, I just want to thank you. If you never gave me another thing, you have given me enough. That's a good way to live. I request God's help to forget. You cannot do it just by the act of the will. You're going to have to say, Lord, help me. Even though it's going to be a constant effort. Any, you know what's great? You know what's true about this? Any one of those things will help you forget what is behind you. But the more, the better. The more you work on any one of those things, the better you'll be able to go forward. Now go to 1 Corinthians 9 and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because here's the terrifying thought I want to give you. Not only will you miss the awards, the prizes, I'm not going to miss heaven. Don't get the wrong idea that, well, if I don't live the will of God, I guess I won't get to heaven. No, 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 no. Born again, you've been adopted in the family of God, but that does not automatically guarantee that everything's going to go honky-dory for the rest of your life. You're going to have to struggle just like everybody else. But you struggle for a reason. You press on for the prize because you're in a race that has a prize. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. You ready? 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Why don't you run so that you win? In the Christian life, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery wants to win, whether in boxing or any type of sport is temperate in all things, is under control. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore, Paul says, so run. He's speaking not like preaching at them. He's saying, I have to do this too. I so run, not as uncertainty, uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and I bring into the subjection lest by any means, when I have preached to so many others, I myself should be a castaway. Your life will end up like a castaway, wasted life, never finding and doing the will of God, always going in circles, and never having anything to show for all the investment of Christ in your life. Is that how you want to be? You may be living in the best house, driving the best car, but you're miserable until you're doing the will of God. Amen. And you'll be miserable until you finally surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, I've been running my life, and I, I've, I've not thought one thing about where I'm going when I die. I've never conditioned. I'm always, I've always been focused on where I came from and my nationality and my, my education 
and I've, and I've focused on building on all of that, and I've, I've made a career out of my life, and I've never, and here's the honest truth with some of you, I've never considered where I'll go when I die. That's infinitely more important than where you've been or where you are. And Jesus came and he died so that you could know for sure that when you die, you can go to heaven. Do you even care? You know what's great? God cares. Would you stand with me and bow? Bow your heads. Close your eyes. As best as you know how, right now, just, just try to be honest with God and say, Lord, you know what? You hit it right on the head. I'm not a good forgetter. I'm a fighter. I'm a barrister. I'm a, I'm a solicitor. Everything to me is still fresh, all the hurts and all the past. And I'm stuck. Can you at least admit that? You don't have to stay stuck. You can right now say, Lord, if you could just, with me right now, heal all that past and help me to focus on forgetting. I'm going to ask you to help me now. How about asking God right now to help you? If you'd like for Him to forget about all your past, all you got to do is be born again. Cry out to Him right now with all your heart and ask Him to save you. Would you do that? And dear Christian, why don't you become a good forgetter? I don't care, I don't care what you've been through. God can heal it. God can make it worthwhile. God can give you better things. Because that's what God does. He's the restorer. He's the savior. Don't think that your past is who you are. Because it's not. Father, I come before you asking that these words, these thoughts, would haunt us until we start to live by them. And there'd be no excuse for holding on to all the memories we've held on to all these years. And we start to just dump them and we'd start to focus on the good things, and we'd let you, God, bring revival in every heart and in every home through forgiving and finally being able to forget. Because there is something ahead. There is something worth pressing toward. There is something called the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we're going to learn about that, but I just want us to want it. If it's there for us, can we not want it? So please, Lord, heaven's available for anybody here this morning. This could be the last day someone's alive. Don't let this day go by without being saved, dear friend. And Christian, if there's something you need to do, it is to start to forget some things. Lord, I pray you'd help us to make this part of our life now. In Jesus' name.